Hi, welcome to the Times of Israel's Daily Briefing. It's Thursday, December 29th, and I'm Jessica Steinberg. I'm joined today by religions and diaspora correspondent Judah Ari Gross and settlements reporter Jeremy Sharon. Hello to you both. Hey, Jessica. Hey, Jessica. Hi. We'll speak this morning about the coalition deals that include control over the border police and settlement growth, political deals that could affect future immigration to Israel, and the legacy of Rabbi Chaim Druckmann, considered a founder of the settler movement. Before we jump into it all, let's take a quick break. The Technion Israel Institute of Technology is where some of Israel's brightest minds ask the biggest question of all. What if? What if they could take on the world's biggest challenges? What if they could develop life-changing environmental, scientific, health, medical, and technological discoveries that will make a huge impact on Israel and the planet? But they don't just ask the question, they answer it too. They turn those ideas into reality. They make them happen. To see just some of the incredible things they've achieved, get the Technion Booklet of Wonders at ats.org wonders. We hope it inspires you to give them your support so they can keep doing what they do best. The American Technion Society. World-changing discoveries by Israel's brightest minds made possible by you. Jeremy, start us off with the coalition agreements that have been made, including police power to Itamar Ben-Gvir and settlement expansion abilities for Betzalo Smotrich, really unprecedented, dramatic changes uh, for this government. What can you tell us? Yeah, so the coalition deals were signed and finally published uh, yesterday. And a lot of the content we already uh, had an idea about, but some of it is is also new. And in the coalition agreement for Otsma Yehudit, the far-right ultranationalist party, which is going to be a partner in the, in the government, one of the standout um, issues is broad powers, which the Otsma leader, Itamar Bengvir, will get over um, different aspects of police policy and, and also um, specific police units. One of the clauses we were unaware of until now was that the border police, which is a, a, a unit which deals with tackling violence, demonstrations, uh, protests, both in Israel and in and in the West Bank um, uh, against Palestinians, that unit is going to no longer be part of the uh, the Israel police force, but rather it's going to come directly under the authority of the incoming national security minister, which is Ben Gvir, who has uh, authority over the police. But but now it will be taken out of the chain of command of the police and put directly under the control of of the minister. So that has uh, raised concerns about the you know the kind of the the power the minister will have. Uh, over policies in terms of putting down demonstrations and protests, uh, both inside Israel and in the West Bank. And then there's other uh, aspects of the coalition deal Otsma got, which includes uh, a massive increase in spending on the police, 45 billion shekels. Uh, in new spending for for his ministry. Another clause in the coalition agreement states that a broad nationwide security operation will be carried out by the police in shortly after the government is uh, is formed and that will include things like 
collecting uh, illegal illegal weapons, but also tackling what they say is a strategic threat of an internal front at the time of a military operation and preparing for such a threat. And really, the concern is that that, that kind of uh, goal is is directed against Israel's Arab citizens, um, and and that's something which Otsma has have talked about, which they're ultra-nationalist allies, religious Zionism have talked about. They've talked about uh, some of the, uh, Israel's Arab citizens in terms of a kind of a security threat and almost almost like a, a fifth column. The coalition deal includes a clause to in- institute the death penalty for terrorists and a separate clause saying that terrorists, and terrorists is not defined, um, but saying uh, there'll be legislation to strip terrorists of their citizenship and deport them. So, you know, it's unclear exactly what, what they mean when, if you, on one hand, you've got, a, 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 you, you want to execute terrorists, on the other hand, you want to deport them. So, you know, in the campaign, uh, Itamar Benkvir talked a lot about uh, deporting anyone uh, who throws stones or petrol bombs. And so, you know, even though the details of this are not specified in the coalition agreements, it would appear that that le- that legislation in the coalition deal appears to be aimed towards, you know, uh, advancing that policy of, of of deporting people for um, for minor security offences. And then we also have this other piece of it, which is that Bezalel Smotrich is going to have the ability to really consider expanding on settlements and other powers within his position. Tell us a little bit about that. So the head of religious Zionism, Batalus Motrich, he has already received through legislation passed before the government has even been sworn in, control over two agencies which govern civilian life in the West Bank. That's the uh, coordinator of government activities in the West Bank and the civil administration. Those are Within the, de- the de- those are units in the defense ministry, which have previously been under the direct control of the defense minister or the IDF uh, chief of staff, and now those are going to be under uh, the control of of, of Batsal Smotrich. And those are very important because they, uh, like I said, they govern um, aspects of civilian life in the West Bank, including uh, construction of settlements, including um, enforcement against illegal construction, both by Palestinians and Israelis. Um, so whereas in the past there's been enforcement against uh, the construction of illegal settlement outposts, um, Sal Smotrich is a... Um, ideological, um, very ideologically in favor of expanding the settlements. He's opposed to a Palestinian state. He believes that uh, the Jewish people have a right to control all of the land of Israel, which includes uh, the West Bank. And, in, um, and, and therefore, we're likely to see an expansion of settlements and also a crackdown on uh, Ill- uh, illegal Palestinian uh, construction in the West Bank. Um, there's other powers which the coalition agreement states um, should be uh, should be changed, moderated um, uh, in terms of the defence minister's ability to control uh, issues of construction. So, so that one clause is will we, we'll stipulate that a, a decision from 1996, which means the defence minister must authorise any new allocation of land for settlements or authorise the convening of a committee to approve construction plans. They want to change those. They want to change that government decision uh, and remove that power from the defence ministry. So uh, again, w- w- I think the first the first clause of the religious Zionism coalition agreement says something like, uh, you know, the Jewish people has a natural right to control the entire land of Israel, um, and and so I think that you know is going to set the tone for 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 the policies which uh, Batsal Smotrich is going to advance while uh, while while sitting in the defense ministry as a minister in the defense ministry and at the same time um, as finance minister and his ability to direct funds to to the kind of policy goals he wants to advance. 
Yep. Okay. We will obviously keep on following that as uh, this new government gets put into place. Thanks very much for that, Jeremy. We're going to take a quick break. When we're back, Judah will talk to us about another appointment, Likud MK Amichai Chikli being appointed diaspora minister. Shalom, dear listeners. This is Daniil Hartman. And I'm Yossi Klein Halevi. Together we host the podcast For Heaven's Sake from the Shalom Hartman Institute. These have been some of the most challenging days for me personally, for Israel, and for the Jewish people. And one of the ways in which I've gotten through this is that I found solace and meaning through discussions with my dear friend and study partner, Daniil Hartman. And I hope that the Times of Israel listeners will join us as we continue to tackle the pressing questions facing the Jewish people here at For Heaven's Sake, which has become the number one Judaism podcast. Well, Daniil, I'd also like to recommend the Identity Crisis podcast hosted by our colleague and friend Yehuda Kurtzer. It's a series of fantastic conversations with leading figures in Jewish life, thought, and culture. You know, for decades, the Hartman Institute has been a preeminent destination for Jewish ideas and learning. Now you can access Hartman Ideas on these chart-topping podcasts at shalomhartman.org forward slash podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll privilege to help guide you through these challenging and even unsettling times. Okay, so we're back. Judah, tell us about Amichai Chikli. He's, as we said, being appointed diaspora minister. What does that mean for future relationships with the Jewish diaspora? And how will his placement affect the law of return, which is another law that is under attack by the religious Zionism party? First, tell us about Chikli, and then we can move into the next piece. So late last night, um, Wednesday night, as we record, Amichai Shikli was named the next uh, diaspora affairs minister. Um, his name had been floated out there uh, sort of throughout this uh, process since the election as a potential candidate, partially because there weren't like lots of other people that were uh, necessarily good fits for the job, but also because he comes from a background that sort of makes him a natural fit to a certain extent. He's the He does not identify with the movement, but he is the son of a conservative rabbi. He uh, grew up and currently lives on Kibbutz Hanaton, which was founded by the conservative movement. Today, it's sort of more uh, pluralistic. There's reform and orthodox people who live there as well. Um, and he said that he goes to shul, uh, he goes to synagogue at a conservative synagogue, um, but he does not associate with the with the movement. Um, he also for formed, uh, created a pre-army program. So he's done lots of work with different um, international and Israeli Jewish organizations. Um, so he has a lot of those connections. He apparently was not particularly interested in taking that. I think it kind of pigeonholes him maybe, but in the end, that's where he ended up. Um, he He's sort of well regarded within the world of uh, Jewish groups because he, you know, was, you know, was part of that uh, effort and and maintain those ties. Um, so he's not a particularly surprising choice. There's a big question of what exactly his role is going to be going forward in this government, um, where there's already been a lot of uh, mistrust, I would say, between uh, this incoming government and uh, diaspora Jewry, specifically American Jewry, which has its own sort of things compared to other Jewish communities around the world. Um, so he's going to, to a certain extent, be navigating that, trying to act as something of a go-between. The Diaspora Affairs Ministry does not have an overly huge budget. So in terms of uh, the activities that it does, it's somewhat limited. It's a little bit more of a symbolic role. Um, 
And yeah, he's going to be, to a certain extent, sort of putting out those fires uh, between American Jewry and uh, the state of Israel. But he does have this big, this big issue now, which is the law of return and the grandchild clause, correct? Which guarantees citizenship to anyone with at least one Jewish grandparent. So how will that play into his role and how do you see that playing out in any case? Yeah, so one of the big issues that's sort of been a div- dividing issue uh, since the election has been um, the intention of the Religious Zionist Party and other uh, and the other sort of Orthodox and ultra Orthodox parties going into the coalition to alter the law of return. Specifically, until now, it's been specifically about um, changing the so-called grandchild clause, which guarantees citizenship to anybody with at least one Jewish grandparent. So that is now officially in the coalition deals. It had been sort of in drafts and in talks, but now it's officially in the coalition deals. Not that that's necessarily going to change or exactly how that's going to change. Uh, What's in the coalition deals is that within the next 60 days, there's going to be a committee that's going to meet and discuss the matter. And by the time uh, the next budget is passed in the end of March, um, some legislation is going to be devised to um, address the issue of, um, of, of Israel's law of return, its immigration policies. So that sort of was very deliberately left amorphous. The Orthodox parties in the coalition, Otzma um, Yehudit, Religious Zionist Party, um, Shas, United Torah Judaism, they were all pushing for just canceling the, the grandchild clause. Likud, which has a pretty strong base in the form from people from the former Soviet Union who are mo- most affected by changing this, um, opposed it. And so as a result, they sort of negotiated this uh, coalition deal, which leaves it somewhat vague how exactly they're going to proceed. Um, there's lots of different ways that this could be carried forward. Um, it could be the cancellation of the grandchild clause outright, um, or it could be something more, much more limited where it's sort of a, a nominal change in the law, which doesn't have much practical effect. Um, one of the things that I assume is going to be on the chopping block, um, partially because it's not a huge consensus issue, is um, currently new immigrants can receive an Israeli passport immediately. In the past, before 2017, you had to wait a year, and then legislation was passed in 2017 that allowed people to get an Israeli passport immediately. I imagine that might be, that's one of the first things that I imagine would be um, taken taken away um, in, in terms of legislation. It's not a hugely popular thing. Um, there's even people who are in the opposition who would be okay with changing that. So I imagine that's going to be the kind of first thing that would that would go. And then in terms of changing things with the law of return itself and who's eligible for citizenship, you know, that's a topic that's going to be discussed over the next two months by this committee. And I think one of the interesting things that's going to be significant in terms of sort of Israel diaspora affairs, you know, this is something that the diaspora Jews, including sort of very pro-Israel voices, have voiced concerns about is how much sort of diaspora groups and international Jewry is going to be brought into these discussions over the next couple months about how to change and if to change the law of return, if it's something that's kept purely within the realm of sort of Israeli politics and uh, and that, or if it's something that's actually broadened up, is I think something that'll be um, interesting to watch in terms of how this incoming government sees the role of diaspora Jewry in Israeli policy. And finally, tell us a little bit about the legacy of Rabbi Chaim Druckmann, who uh, was buried this week and was considered a founder of the settler movement. 
Yeah, this week, uh, Chaim Druckmann, um, who is sort of the the spiritual leader of the religious Zionist movement, was uh, um, very active in the sort of national religious Datilu Mi community for for decades, Um, died at the age of 90 from complications from uh, the coronavirus. His funeral was attended by tens of thousands. There have been there's different estimates, but you know tens of thousands. It was on a on a very rainy day, um, and still sort of the crowds came out, mostly of uh, religious men. He was part of Gush Emunim, which founded a few years after the Six Day War to sort of strengthen Israel's uh, territorial control, especially in the West Bank and the Gaza Strip, and also Sinai. An interesting role that was sort of uh, referred to primarily by incoming Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Uh, um, in his role um, in conversions to Judaism, he was uh, the head of the state conversion authority uh, for a number of years and acted as uh, the head of a conversion court um, in southern Israel before then. Um, and he had a very liberal view, um, you know, as somebody who's not particularly liberal in terms of his politics as we think about it, um, in terms of his views on conversion, he had a very liberal view um, and sort of he um tried to make the process easier, especially for children who were converting, um, which was a big issue in terms of people coming from the former Soviet Union who were not necessarily Jewish, according to Halakha, apropos our discussion of the law of return. Um, and that really put him at odds, especially in the early 2000s, um, with the sort of ultra-Orthodox um, hegemony. But it is also important to note that, you know, while he had this, um, he was described by everyone as being a very warm person and very, very open um, he also faced lots of criticism through his life and um, after he died for both for his uh, support for a number of uh, Jewish terrorists and Jews convicted of uh, crimes against Palestinians um, and also sort of more within his camp um, that was sort of more from people on the left, but sort of within his camp, he also faced lots of criticism uh, over the years um, for failure to sort of act when there were rabbis that were committing abuse. So a mixed legacy, it sounds like. Okay, thanks for that, Judah. And thank you, Jeremy, as well. Thanks for being on today's Daily Briefing. It was good to have you. Thanks, Jessica. Thanks for having us. Happy listening and have a good day. Thanks for listening to the Times of Israel's Daily Briefing. And thanks to our producer, Gilad Brownstein, and to Gili Amar for this this out-of-this-world music. You can find us daily wherever you find your podcasts. And on our mothership, timesofisrael.com. Like what you hear? Consider rating us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to spread the word. And be sure to check out our weekly feature, Times Will Tell, released every Friday. Until next time, Shalom. Shalom.